0: What's going on, guys? It's Cam back for another episode of Down to the Wire. And I have a guest. Well, I don't know if you can really call him a guest or not, but he's back. We have Mason here all the way from Florida. Welcome back, sir.
1: Yo, what up? What up? Thanks for having me back.
0: Yeah, man, absolutely. So haven't done a podcast in a while, especially with Mason because he was lame and decided to move to Florida and leave (laughs) us all behind. Uh, But he's back now. I also I definitely just needed to take a break from all the ranting and raving that I did over the LSU football season midway. Otherwise, it was just going to be the same podcast week after week after week. So uh, I spared you. You're welcome. But there's been a lot of stuff happening this offseason when it comes to coaching changes, uh, NIL conference realignments going on right now. And just like just just, there's just so much uh, that, that we can talk about. And I had to reach out to Mason because, listen, there's so much stuff that you've got to have a second person uh, tag team this with me. So we're going to go ahead and get all the way into it. So we're going to start, I guess, really kind of what the beginning of the offseason usually is, which is coaching changes. There were, was a lot of movement. Uh, there were openings at LSU, obviously, uh, was a big one. Uh, Florida had their opening come up. And uh, then there was a lot of moving around. USC opened up as well, I think midway through the year. So there, I mean, there's three blockbuster jobs that were open by the end of the season. And so with that, you knew there was gonna be a lot of movement and a lot of the movement was super surprising. Um, There was, uh, Florida ended up going the mid-major route, picking up Billy Napier from ULL. Um, And we'll get into that a little bit more. But then the big changes were USC and LSU with the big fish whales that they ended up getting. And there was a lot of kind of like controversy, or I don't know, controversy, but a lot of smoke that happened because there was a lot of predictions at the end of the season that Lincoln Riley, the Oklahoma coach, is going to go to LSU. And then after the Oklahoma State game, he comes out and says, I'm not going to be the head coach at LSU. And what was it, like a day or two later, it's announced he's going to USC, right? So, man, Mason, like, what do you think about uh, Lincoln Riley? One, leaving Oklahoma. They're about to come into the SEC talking about conference realignment, which we'll talk about uh, more uh, later on. But they're about to come into the SEC soon. Um, he leaves Oklahoma. There's a lot of talk about him coming to LSU, possibly. But he ends up going out west to Cali to to, to uh, Southern Cal. So, so what do you what are your thoughts on that?
1: yeah at first i was a little surprised by it and i was a little taken aback but then you sit back and you realize that once nil started all the coaches started going to where the money was oklahoma's a big school but it's no usc the usc's got all the money in the world they can basically do whatever and you saw that with caleb williams going and transferring straight there immediately so i was shocked that he didn't pick lsu but then him going to USC being the only person, basically the only team over there in California. It was always like a no-brainer at that point. Even though it sucks, and I was shocked by it, you got to do what you got to do at that
0: point. Yeah, I mean, there was even a lot of talk, especially on message boards and on Twitter, that the the talking point for fans was, man, he's just dodging the SEC, right? He's just dodging. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, want, he's wanting the easy route. He knows Oklahoma, when it comes to resources and facilities, really isn't up to par with a lot of these, like an LSU, Alabama, Auburn, even a Mississippi state in some areas. They're not up to par with some of the facilities maybe and with the resources. Um, And so a lot of people thought, you know, LSU is a no brainer, but instead of taking the hard route and coming to the sec with the, with a big dog, he instead goes to USC. Do, Do you kind of buy into that being the reason, or do you think that, Just for Lincoln Riley, it just made more sense for him personally. Being an
1: SEC homer, I really want to say
0: yes.
1: (laughs) Because it just makes me feel better about the conference. But realistically, I don't think that makes much sense. Because all these guys are super competitive, just like everybody, like me and you are. But you sit back, and if Lincoln Riley is really scared of going to the SEC, he's not going to be a college coach at that point. It just makes so much more sense to go Out to California, be the only team out there, get all the money, start bringing in stars, and then you're going to be winning Pac 12 championships. And then you go from there.
0: Right. Yeah. And I mean, kind of going along with that, you know, you're just thinking, just thinking recruiting wise, right? I mean, you go to LSU, LSU is in Louisiana, which Louisiana per capita brings out the most NFL players in the country, right? It's like there's tons of talent down there. The problem with that, one, I mean, you're also next to Texas, but the problem with that is all these other SEC teams are going in state to take these players out. And and that's what you've seen uh, from the past, you know, when it comes to recruiting for LSU in the past, you know, Alabama is always in there. Uh, even Texas A&M is starting to kind of come in. Florida, all these teams are coming in, trying to see your players. There's definitely, when it comes to recruiting in the SEC, uh, much more competition, especially Louisiana. You go out to california i mean like you said they're really the big like they're the brand name and the pac-12 and, and we'll talk more about that since they are uh, apparently leaving the pac-12 but they're the big brand name i mean they have a school across town ucla which hasn't been relevant in football in i don't know how long i mean chip kelly's been there and there's a lot to say with chip kelly on what he's doing wrong what he's doing right but i mean he's the only game in town the other only the only other program in the pac-12 in general that's even on par with that is oregon And they really haven't even been the same since uh, Chip Kelly left in a couple of years with uh, with uh, Mark, whatever his name was, with Mariota. Right. They haven't been the same since. And then Cristobal leaves. You know, let's go to a different coaching change. Cristobal. uh, Miami was open. Cristobal is from Miami. I'm pretty sure he coached there before he leaves Oregon, who has been a contender. Uh, who's made Rose Bowls, you know. He left Oregon, goes home to Miami and he's a big recruiter, right? He used to be the old line coach in Alabama, so I'm sure you're r- really familiar with him. He goes to Miami. That's another huge move. What do you think about Chris Ball in Miami?
1: I love Chris Ball in Miami for the reasons that you just laid out. He's such a great recruiter and they have such a big budget down there that it's almost like players are just going to start piling in. When do you when you add in the history from a couple or not a couple of years ago, whatever it was, when they were just popping in the off. Early of the U. 90s, 80s. Yeah, yeah. Once you start adding that onto on top of crystal ball, you're gonna start just dragging in players at that point. And at that, with that too, being in the ACC, it's hard. It's hard not to deny that. I mean, they're gonna ha- they're gonna start having some something uh, building at, at that point.
0: Yeah, I think even with Miami, I think. Recently or in the past, since that dominant run that they had in the in the 80s, 90s, and in early 2000s, you had buy-in from the administration and from the community around them. Right mm-hmm. from from everything that you hear beforehand, there wasn't that in this long stretch between you know 2001 ish, 2002 to now, until they went ahead and hired Crystal Ball. Because if, if Crystal Ball doesn't have the support of, of boosters, Uh, and of the administration to hey we want to win we are going to do everything we're going to need to do to win when it comes to upgrading facilities when it comes to nil which we'll talk about then like it's not worth my time i'll just stay here in oregon with the nike money right so there had to definitely be a you know a a firm foundation of hey we are in it we're fully investing in you we're fully investing in the program whatever you need we're going to give you right i think uh, there there are a couple programs when it comes to college football in general that they need to be good. Miami is one of those. Another one is Texas, which we'll, we'll talk about later uh, when we get into some, you know, uh, hypothetical questions that we'll ask each other. You know, Texas is one of those. Miami is one of those. USC is another one. So hopefully and Riley can get them going so we can have some West Coast football. Because, you know, college football is a regional sport. Maybe not as much now with conference realignment, but it still is, right? When all the best teams are in the South, you know, it's kind of hard to kind of get that. So we, we definitely need Miami to be good. And I think, like you said, I think it's a home run higher with Um, crystal ball. The one replacing crystal ball in Oregon, Dan Lanning, who I believe was the defensive uh, defensive coordinator at Georgia. I believe. What are your thoughts on Dan Lanning going to Oregon?
1: I actually don't love that one as much. I like Dan Lanning as a coach. I think he did a great job as a defensive coordinator for Georgia, but When you're going out to Oregon, you can't really be a defensive coach because it's all run and gun. Everything's changing. Defense just isn't the top priority out there. So who knows? Maybe he he proves me wrong and comes out and has a defense that's on fire and stopping everything everything in the Pac-12, but I just don't see it. I thought he was a good coach for Georgia, but him leading his own program out in Oregon, I don't know. I just don't see it. And their recruiting has dropped off a little bit too, so – I don't know. I don't, I don't see it working, but he could surprise me.
0: Yeah, I mean, and, and I agree with you. I mean, when you think Oregon football, what do you think? You think high-powered offense, right? Speed, like you, running gun, Speed, running run gun, Chip Kelly, you know, yeah. Michael, James, and, and all those guys. That's what you think when you think Oregon football. And going with a guy that is a defensive coach, I mean... When it comes to hiring coaches, I mean, obviously the biggest hire for them is whatever is the opposite side of the ball, right? right? So, you know, Ed Ojean, for example, his biggest hire should have been offensive coordinator, right? Because he was a quote-unquote defensive coach. Um, Nick Saban, his biggest hires is not defense. He's the mastermind of the defense, right? His biggest hire is always offensive coordinator.
1: Mm-hmm. And,
0: and so in this instance for or uh, for Lanning, he has to hit on his offensive coordinator. And it looks like it's uh, – Kenny Dillingham is his offensive coordinator. Um, not super familiar with him and where he's been, uh, but that's who his offensive coordinator is. Um, let us let me just do a quick look right here and where he is. It looks like he had some stops at Memphis, Auburn, Florida State. Um, let's see. It looks like uh, he was the offensive coordinator and quarterback's coach uh, at Florida State this past year. I mean, you look at Florida State offense; it wasn't the best, right? And part of that is like you know, Florida State has been a train wreck since Jimbo left. (laughs) There's a lot of reasons for that, but I'm sure you'll get into (laughs) later. uh, Oh man, yeah. I mean, so so it's a big wait and see here for Oregon, and and it's like it has to hit, and if it doesn't, you know, like you said, this is the West Coast; they don't play like. I won't say they don't play defense, but their style of defense is like, hey, we're small, we're going to have to mm-hmm. use our speed, and we're going to have to disrupt, right? They're not your big physical defenses like you would see at a, at a Michigan, at Ohio State, at a Bama, at a Georgia, right? And so, it, one, I'm sure it's going to be a huge culture shock for him, leaving SEC, going all the way up to the Northwest and, and Eugene. And there's a lot of challenges there because it's not a lot of local talent. You're going out of state for most of your guys. So Yeah, for sure, be for sure. It's interesting to see there and
1: i feel Um, like he's gonna have the shortest leash too of all the new coaches because out there out there at oregon they want to win and they've just been struggling to do so with crystal ball they were kind of right there in the middle where it was fine but what i feel like he's gonna have to come in and pop off 11 wins real fast and if he doesn't and it starts going downhill they're gonna pull the leash really fast so
0: yeah absolutely i mean they're in the same boat as USC. There's nobody else in the conference. Yeah, exactly. Right? The only competition for the North is Washington, maybe. Is is Utah in the North or in the South?
1: I think they're in the North. N- I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember either. I want to say um, they're in the but North. I mean,
0: but, I mean, those are your competition there, right? Yeah. And it's not like those team programs are super huge and get, you know, four or five star players all the time, right? Oh, well, yeah, so, exactly. Um, I mean... You're usually the favorite to win your side of the conference, and you're usually the fav- one of the favorites to win the entire conference and get to New Year's Six Bowl. So yeah. there's definitely going to be a lot of pressure there, especially with what Christian Bolt did there, uh, building up that offensive line and, and really have the style of play that they ended up running. Um, I know I kind of mentioned this uh, coaching change earlier, but Florida and Billy Napier, what are your thoughts?
1: <laughs> so surprisingly, this one is actually my favorite move. This is my favorite coaching job that opened up and I love Billy Napier because of what he was doing at his previous job with such little, with, with the the little name brand school, he was able to build it up, get the recruits in there. And it really just actually was very surprising to me. And I think being at Florida, he's going to be able to get all sorts of talent in there. And honestly, they're a sleeper team for me this year, because I think they already have a good bit of talent from uh, what Dan Mullen brought in and Dan Mullen just fell off a cliff last year. And so with Billy Napier coming in with Anthony Anthony Richardson at quarterback, I'm I'm excited for it.
0: Wasn't it like they just won the East last year?
1: Yeah, last and we're year. we like
0: we're like this close to beating Bama in the championship uh-huh, game. Yeah. Bama. And then next year fell off a cliff what, happen, he what happened he fell off a cliff and they end up firing the guy right <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and i think part of it like there was definitely like apathy from him that you could see and i think he was oh, probably sure. also hoping for like an nfl gig in the offseason, season yeah. possibly so he just checked out and you could tell based on how his team performed right but that just came out of nowhere like some of these yeah. coaching jobs like there are coaches like okay you're on the hot seat this year you have to do good like a uh, ed on like a clay helton you know yeah. those kind of things, but like this one is like, no man, it never just felt like the case at all. You know, oh, uh-huh. okay, yeah, we don't like what he's doing. Okay, yeah, he's fired now, yeah. right? Like it was just out of nowhere.
1: And it uh, was Bill- weird. It just felt like he completely lost the team halfway through the season. I don't know what it was. I don't know if they were upset because Richardson wasn't starting and Emory Jones was still starting, but I don't know, man. When you lose a team like that, it, it's it's really hard to recover from it.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And and Billy Napier, um. He was actually like, he was thought from the fan perspective and even some of the media perspective in Baton Rouge hey, this guy might be a dark horse. If we swing and miss on some of our guys, this could be it. Right. And, you know, he's a great coach. I'm always skeptical and hesitant when it comes to coaches coming from these lower programs. Right. When you're going from a Louisiana Lafayette, which is a group of five school and your first next like big boy job is not a Cincinnati, which is a higher level group of five. It's not a North Carolina springboard job. It's not a Virginia tech. It's not a Minnesota talking about PJ Fleck. You know, it's not, a, he his next job isn't a springboard. It's a, Hey, you're in the sec East. You're in one, one of, if not the top dogs in the East <laughs> yeah. for years now, go win. After the mess that the previous coach left, hey, you're coming up. You know, I could see, you know, Florida always has talent. They're in a talent-rich state. The only the other thing to kind of keep an eye on, now they're having to fight Miami.
1: Yeah.
0: Right? They haven't, like, for the past two decades, they've been top dog. Florida State had a small run. Florida State had a small run with Jimbo. But other than that, like, it's been Florida State. And now you bring in Cristobal. Who's a game breaker recruiter? Now you're really gonna have to earn your money if you're Billy Napier, who is known as recruiter. Um, you know he was really highly thought of from people on staff at Bama. Um, obviously, you know, like he, he's a really good coach. That is gonna be real interesting. One, the recruiting battles that happen, and two, if he is actually ready for the job. I think it'll be really interesting. And, and I mean, he's a new coach this year. Really doesn't matter per se. Uh, so it'll be re- interesting to see how year two and how year three looks. And, and that's what I think for for all these coaches in general, we have coaching changes. Um, I'll go to another big one. LSU broke the internet, it seemed, and pulled <laughs> off the biggest heist I think I've ever seen in my life, which <laughs> nobody was talking about, which is even more surprising because this stuff leaks all the time. They pulled Brian Kelly out of South Bend. And he ends up in Baton Rouge. I'm going to go on for it here for a few minutes. And I'm sure you're really interested to hear all my thoughts on it. <laughs> Take but, what the are floor. Your thought, but what are your thoughts on it first before I get going?
1: I was shocked when this first came out. And honestly, a little butthurt too. Because <laughs> Brian. to me, I love Brian Kelly because I think he is an awesome recruiter. Which is, to me, exactly what LSU could have used. Because there's so much talent, like you were saying, in Louisiana and in the South. And Brian Kelly was bringing in that type of talent into Notre Dame where they have so many restrictions for their um, academics and everything like that. So you bring that to LSU where there's not that same restrictions. I'm worried. Very worried.
0: You're worried. Okay. Yeah.
1: I'm a lot more worried than I was with (laughs) Orgeron. But, sheesh. Well, you should
0: be because Ed Orgeron was an idiot and he somehow you know, back his way into a national championship. Thank <laughs> uh, you, Joe Burrow. Glorified um,
1: hype man. That's what he was.
0: <laughs> exactly. That's exactly <laughs> what he was. The freaking fool. Oh man. I, I'm like, I love the hire.
1: Yeah. I was should.
0: just as floored as you were like at a lefty. Like once we heard Lincoln Riley go up on the podium, and say, I am not going to be the head coach at LSU. Me along with probably the rest of the LSU is Like, Who the heck are we going to get now? Billy Napier's already been taken. Freaking Licky and Riley's gone. Oh, we're going to end up with Mark Stoops. That was the the thing. Oh, we're going to end up with Mark (laughs) Stoops. And honestly, if that would have happened, I would have like, that would have been, all right, I'm checking out, you know, but thank God. Take the year off. (laughs) Thank God. Yes. Take the next probably like three or four years off. uh, (laughs) No, but like he's won everywhere he's been. Right. Uh, Grand Valley State, a Division II school that he built up, and the stadium's named after him, I'm pretty sure now. Then he leaves and goes to Central Michigan, I think, and wins. Then he goes to Cincinnati and wins a big there. Then he comes to Notre Dame. Um, Notre Dame is is as big time as you can get, right? I mean, they are... <clears throat> if they aren't the biggest brand in the sport, they're the second. The two that you would probably... Okay, maybe the three that I would say would be top brands in this to end the sport In no particular order, Notre Dame, Ohio state, Texas. Yeah. Bama would be four, right? Because of the history, but those, those are your four Mm -hmm. and rank them. However you want Notre Dame is one of the biggest names in the sport. For sure. The problem with Notre Dame nowadays is one, like you said, they have all the academic restrictions. You have to, they don't lower their standards for athletes. Like a lot of these schools do. They don't do it. Right. They also don't take in transfers after a certain year. Um, The facilities aren't up to par with a lot of these bigger schools like uh, Michigan and Ohio State. Their administration wasn't fully in. And because of where they're located, they had to do national recruiting. Had to. They had to have guys over in California. They had to have guys over in New York or Ohio or go down to the South and try and pick some players. I mean, they had to mix and match all these guys around and that made that job so hard. But also, you know, you, you play a weaker schedule, you know, you don't have to go to a conference championship. It's easier for you to get to the playoff. But once you get there, you don't have the dogs to run with the Bama, with the Ohio State. You don't have the athletes. You might have the trenches because that's what they've always been good at. But you can't get the the same skilled players, right? And, and that's kind of what his main real point is. If you read between the lines, the alignment down here in Baton Rouge, hey, you have the best players in the country right mm-hmm. in your backyard. Even then, you still have a huge portion of the alumni in Houston. So you have access to Texas. You're close to Florida. You can still do your national recruiting in California and all these other places if you need to. But you have all these three star athletes in Louisiana that are probably four stars or five stars if they're in other states, right? So you have the talent there. You have the backing of administration wanting to spend money and win now. One um, of that is NIL stuff, which has been not up to par with some other schools yet, and part of that is because of how badly of a shape that Ed Ogeron left the program and left relationships with some of these big-level boosters. That's going to be fixed in a couple of years once I see. One, Brian Kelly is organized. He knows what he wants to do. He has a game plan. He's articulate. Whenever you listen to a press conference, it's a night and day difference than what you hear from the buffoon before, and even the buffoon before that with Les Miles. It's completely <laughs> different. Like, it's crazy. So, like what was it like 12, 15 year span of we had Les Miles and then Ed ogeron You're talking about like characters. LSU went away from the character route and went with a hey, we have a football coach and I am super excited. Um it's gotta I know be a breath of fresh air. It totally is, man. It really <laughs> is. And and you'll hear it from even some of the media if you ever listen to him that are in press conferences when he first came it's like, wow, like we asked him a question and he gave us like a super thoughtful, <laughs> like well put answer. And you can actually understand him, right? Like, he doesn't just, like, have gravel in his voice, you know? Like, it's just, it's crazy. It's crazy. And, and, and you know, it made, it's, it's probably going to take a couple of years for us to get back to consistently competing because the roster is in such bad shape. And I can go on and on about that. But just from where we are now, he's done great in the in the transfer portal, trying to piece the team together. He knows what he's doing. And, you know, it'll be super successful. And I'm I'm super excited to see what the future holds. Um, With him leaving Notre Dame, there's then a spot at Notre Dame. And instead of them doing a search, they just say, hey, Marcus Freeman, you take the job. What do you think?
1: I was a little shocked by it. But then the video circulated and came out of the team celebrating with him after he had found out that he just got the job. And from that video, you kind of see where they where they went with it. They saw that, how loved he was by the team, especially his defense. And they just pounced on that, which I'm okay with. But I don't love it because of what you were saying about Billy Napier earlier. You're jumping into the deep end. You're going from a smaller school to a bigger school. But with him, this is his first head coaching job. A real, legitimate head coaching job at Notre Dame. Like you were just saying, one of the biggest brands in college football. So how are you going to go from, I'm just a defensive coordinator. I'll fly here and there, go see a couple players, and then I'm done. To, you're the head honcho. Like, strap up. It's time for you to show what you got.
0: Yeah, and he's only been a defensive coordinator and a power job for that one year. Yeah. Before that, he was in Cincinnati, and then he just got hired at Notre Dame as defensive coordinator, and then year after that, head coach. Which is, I mean, great for him. Congratulations. Yeah, awesome. Part of me thinks, okay, did Notre Dame just feel one thing? I mean, they definitely felt blindsided from from buying Kelly leaving, which is totally fine. Do you think that there was a, well, you know, we're Notre Dame. We're just going to hire this guy because he's good. That way you can't have him or we don't want to do a search. Do you think like it was just kind of like a lazy process from their administration on – I don't want to say settle, but it does seem like settling on a defensive coordinator. Now he might be the right guy. You look at the recruiting rankings right now. I mean, they're not out of the park, but he still hasn't coached down yet. Right. He hasn't been yeah, yeah. Or down. So like you can talk recruiting all you want, but you couldn't even spend any time to look for interview other guys. You just wanted to rush to the podium with the coach. That way you have a coach. Like to me, it just seems they just didn't want to like they just got so blindsided that they just wanted it to be over as soon as possible. He's a good candidate, let's just do that and not worry about it.
1: Yeah, I think that's more of what it was. They like him as a coach, and so I don't feel like they felt like it was necessary to go out and make a big hoopla about finding their next coach when they already kind of felt like it was in the he was already in the building. And he 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 seems very like respected within Notre Dame. And so, I, you know, I I can't um, diss them for it, but you, with a big brand like that, you kind of do want to see them go out and try and find a better coach or, yeah. a, more, or a more proven coach at that right. point. So. Yeah, I
0: mean, you're Notre Dame. Like I said, you're one of the biggest brands in the sport. You're not going to go and try and talk to PJ Fleck at all? Or,
1: yeah, exactly. Uh,
0: maybe, I mean, James Franklin just signed an extension, but you don't go have that conversation or you don't talk to... You know anybody at Clemson or anything like that? You don't talk to anybody. You just say, hey, he's our guy. Which, if it works out, then great. But you know he's not getting out of the park of recruiting. They're probably that if things held right now, which they're not going to, they'll probably end the uh, recruiting at the, uh, I guess what in February of next year, uh, probably around top ten, top five, which would be probably one of their higher ranking recruiting classes since one of. Brian, Curly, uh, Brian Kelly's early ones, but I mean that that's all well and good, but you know we got to see what it looks like on the field, obviously. And Notre Dame, as we said, like there's just so many challenges there. And two, I mean, re- if he can't get over the hump, then it really doesn't matter, right? Yeah, uh, you exactly. Just have the same thing of what you had before. Um, it's just a younger guy,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: I think that's you know something to, to be said. I mean, hey, we got the you know young guy that has the job now and he's not going to leave for another one other, unless it's the NFL. Like that, that was probably the only other you know, thought process that they could have had when hiring him. So uh, the other big job that opened up because Lincoln Riley left Oklahoma, they hire Brent Venables. What do you think about old Brent Venables finally getting a head coaching job? He feels like he's been a coordinator forever, originally at Oklahoma. Then was that Clemson forever with Dabo Sweeney finally gets a shot and it's Oklahoma and kind of the same thing that we talked about Oregon. When you think Oklahoma, you think higher powered offense, at least since Lincoln Riley's there, maybe not in the early 2000s with Bob Stoops. You know, they they were defense heavy, but still had a really good offense. What do you think about uh, about that? That move there?
1: Yeah, it's almost the exact same thing. <laughs> you're going to a high-powered offense where you just come from being a defensive coordinator. Like you probably learned some stuff at Clemson. Obviously, you know what you're doing, so you can go to Oklahoma and you're gonna have talent because Lincoln Riley probably just left you a star-studded team. So you're if he's gonna be okay. My worry is what's gonna happen in two years when they come to the SEC because at that point it's basically right now you've got two years to build your defense. That's it because you're at Oklahoma. Oklahoma hasn't really won much. They haven't won national championship. Obviously they've been, obviously they've been good in the big 12 and everything, but from now you got two years to build what your what you want your defense to look like when you enter the sec. So
0: yeah. And he's walking into a super tough environment where Oklahoma for the past 10 years, it seems has been right at the doorstep of being in the national championship game. Or winning a national championship, right? Like they have been out uh, the, of the four or five teams. that's always in the playoff. Oklahoma has always been there. And so now one, your, your star coach of Lincoln Riley leaves, you bring in uh defensive coordinator and Brent Venables. You're in a league that is so offense heavy. Um, maybe it's changing a little bit with Dave Aranda and, and all that kind of stuff right there. But I mean, still like big 12 has always been offense, right? And um, the good thing about Brent Venables is that his defense has always been multiple, but you also kind of have to think, okay, it's taken this long for him to get, head, to get a head coaching job. Why is that? Like that's always been the question every offseason. His name usually comes up for at least a job or two um, in the media, at least maybe not even for athletic directors, but his name has always come up. He's never got one. Now he gets his chance. Well, why? Why did it take this long, right? And and kind of going off of that is okay, now we're, we're at Clemson, Dabo lost both of his coordinators, now what? Yeah,
1: that's you know, one thing that I'm really interested to see is what's about to happen with Clemson. Because what has been with Dabo there is the coordinators have always stayed that you're never really having much turnover in the coaching uh, with the coaches. So I'm wondering kind of like what's happening there because you're hearing Dabo speak out a lot about NIL and speaking out a lot, speaking out a lot about Transfer Portal. So I'm wondering if there's like something behind the scenes happening or what's going on, man. I don't know. They had an off year last year too, which who knows?
0: Yeah, it was a really like so. It's really funny. Like I mean, we all agree they had an off year or a bad year. They still oh, yeah, won what, sure. like nine games though. <laughs> yeah, like it's so crazy. <laughs> like that's how Clemson is now. Will it stay that way? That remains to be seen. I mean, their offense was not very good last year. Uh, now you lose Brent Venables, who has been the cornerstone of Clemson, it feels like, along with Dabo. So it's gonna be real interesting to see how that plays out now. But there, like you said, there has finally actually been turnover at the coordinator position for Dabo. So I mean that'll be really interesting to see one having to have a bounce back year. And two, with that bounce back year, you're having to replace both of your card coordinators that you've had forever that have been there really since you since you've been there. Um, yeah. So so that'll be real interesting to see. Um you talked about, rec- with Dabo, recruiting NIL transfer portal. That's where we'll go next, right? NIL has been a huge talking point in the offseason when it comes to recruiting, when it comes to transfer portal, and everything is this was the first uh, off season with it actually being a thing, right? So, what are your thoughts on NIL? Where are we at with recruiting and transfer portal? What are your thoughts on all of that?
1: So when everything first happened regarding NIL, I was actually really excited for it because to me, if you can't, the NCAA sitting here telling players they can't make money off their own name. So basically, NCAA, we own you. So go w- go go do your thing for us, which was always extremely frustrating for me. And so when it first came out, I was, I was really excited for it for the players. But once it started becoming free agency, oh, I hated it. Because we're at a point now where they got to start putting some rules in for it or it's going to get really bad. Because you had um, Lane Kiffin come out a couple months ago and say, Bryce Young should have just put his name in the transfer portal, even if he was going to go back to Alabama, because he probably could have just got more money doing that. That At that point, that's not college football for me anymore. That's, it's starting to turn into the NFL, and I don't love it. So we'll see where it goes from there.
0: Yeah, and I think kind of along with that, when it comes to the NCAA, they have always been a train wreck when it comes to a lot of this kind of stuff. They never really fully think through what their rule changes are when it comes to this stuff. So just kind of coming back, you, you think back to when COVID response hit and everything like that. They opened up the transfer portal. Anybody can transfer. There's no sit-out rule. There's no nothing. You know, Anybody can go whenever they want. So you have that in effect. And as that is still in effect, then you're saying, hey, NIL, you can do it. whatever your state law says. Go do that since we don't have a national federal law for it. The problem with that, so like, I'm with you. I think NIL is great. Uh, I think it's something that is probably long overdue. Um, What NIL should be is for players that are currently on your team. That's how it should be used, right? And it shouldn't be used as a recruiting tactic. Correct, yes. I think that's obviously been not been the case, for, especially for certain programs. Um, Jimbo Fisher. But Jimbo Fisher. <laughs> cough, at. cough. Um, but also like the other problem with that is that, hey, if you're going to do NIL, you got to change the transfer portal rules back to how it was. Before. Like you have to, like, it needs to be, you sit out a year unless you're a grad transfer. Grad yeah. transfers get free transfers like it's been. And it needs to go back to, hey, if you want to transfer, you have to sit out a year. Because otherwise, you're going to have Jordan Addison from Pitt leave and go to USC without having to sit out a year. And you're already have, have an
1: NIL deal. In place already have an NIL deal. Out.
0: Right. And even before he says that he's transferring, everybody's saying, hey, he's going to USC or Bama. Like it was yeah. talked about before he even went at the portal. So yeah. obviously, there's tampering there. That's another rule violation that actually needs to be. If we're going to keep the system how it is, you have to enforce the tampering rules.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: You have to. Or you just go back to how it was. I think going back to the original transfer rules, or not the original, but the, the most more recent transfer rules would have fixed the problem. I really do. Because how many players are going to go, okay, I'm going to go take an NIL deal and sit out a year. Yeah, I know exactly. Nobody's going to want to do that because you want to get to the league, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you want to make money. But, hey, if you set out a year, you're like, that's one less year of tape that you have, and who knows what's going to happen, right? So I think that's the big thing that absolutely has to change. I don't know if it will because the NCAA is idiots and, and don't know what they're doing. But, hey, you'll you'll fix the, the issue. That That is the big issue with college football is, hey, it's free agency, and there's no cap. There's no yeah, salary cap, exactly. right? So, I mean, that's a big issue. The other issue is using NIL as recruiting for high school recruits and honestly like some of this isn't new right no. like there's always been money out of the table correct yeah um i think with it being above board people can be more brash about it now and now you're seeing these big money schools that have these huge endowments like AM saying hey we want to win we want to win now we'll give you whatever you want and Correct, we're gonna yeah. get you the the number one class
1: and then bring in every five star that they And bring ever in somehow in bring life. every
0: five star in life when you are yeah. perennial eight and four a m um yeah. somehow. I mean, you're you're seeing it at Texas, Texas hasn't been relevant, but that would make more sense because it's Texas, right? They've been mm-hmm. a player. They are one of the biggest names. You know, they've always said, hey, we're Texas. You, that means something. They have their own uh, uh, sports network for God's sake. I mean, that makes more sense. Does that make sense?
1: No. What and AM's always been the little brother, and it, it just makes no brother. sense.
0: And they always had the little brother complex. And that's where I'll just, you know, just lay it up for you, you know, toss <laughs> the pitch in for you. Talk to me about Jimbo Fisher. He has the same uh, 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 little brother syndrome about him that makes him a perfect fit for AM. Exactly. Play into it.
1: And you saw how angry he was getting with the entire situation about being called out for everything that happened and you know exactly what's happening. Everybody knows it's obvious. And then the video comes out, uh, what was it? Three, three or four weeks ago, where one of their recruiters is looking at all the, all the guys coming in and saying, yeah, you see those suites up there? There's a lot of money behind those suites for you guys. Jimbo, you are a clown for that. I don't, I'm not sitting here siding with Nick Saban for calling them out because I don't think that was the right thing to do, but it's obvious what's happening, and the fact that he's still out here getting butt hurt about it, not my vibe. And I can't wait for SEC Media Day because I hope there are fireworks.
0: <laughs> yeah, dude, it's coming up soon. What, what's the date for that?
1: Uh, two weeks, I think, or not, not this time? Monday, but next one Monday.
0: It's next Monday, yeah. So I mean, that's gonna come up. I mean. Uh, I know whenever the whole like Jimbo Nick Saban thing happened, everybody's like, You gotta have Jimbo and Nick on the same day. You got to, yeah, yeah. You got to change it. <laughs> I don't think they changed it. I'm pretty sure. So yeah, they have Jimbo Fisher on Thursday on the twenty first and Nick is still on Tuesday on the nineteenth. So that's that's a real missed opportunity, Greg. So, like, what are you doing, man? Uh, you wanted to get eyes on it, you, you gotta put those guys uh, back. It would have been, been great. But listen, I'm right here with you, man. I mean, when it comes to Jimbo Fisher, like, even before the Nick Saban thing came out, like, he, he ranted because reporters are basically insinuating they bought the class. Listen, yeah. everybody knows you did. Yeah, you bought whether the club. Whether you, whether you, you exact, whether, like, you don't have to admit it that yeah. you did. You can just say, hey, you know, our coaches did a great job. But you going off and basically causing a scene that makes the story, and now everybody hates you. Right yeah. everybody's like okay yeah that's AM. right here's the thing with Nick Saban he had no business saying a single word or single bad thing about what AM did so i agree. talking 100%. about a guy who wrote the playbook this yeah kind of stuff when it came to <laughs> under the table stuff right why do all his players have dodge chargers
1: yeah exactly I mean,
0: like we all know everybody knows what's going on here you're naive to think that your school is clean every school is dirty every, every school, school has ever po- played players and nick Saban's the best at it that's why he has the most championships
1: right Correct. yeah
0: he's the best so like why are you saying anything like you're upset because you got beaten recruiting and you also got beat the national championship that got under your skin so you popped off the problem is You popped off on the wrong guy because Jimbo looks like an alcoholic that'll say whatever he wants to because he has the money in the bag, right? He won't do anything, and he thinks he's all high-mighty because he beat Alabama this year, even though he still went 8-4, and right? I mean, it's just... He's right in saying that, hey, it was fishy. They bought their class basically, but at the same time, dude, everybody can look at you and say, hey, you you bought your class ever since you've been there. Even whenever you were in Louisiana at LSU, you bought your class there too. Yeah. So like, let's not say anything, but you popping off, hey, everybody else can pop off now too, right?
1: Yeah. And it's just, it's Jimbo has always been a clown, but this to me it just set it off, set it all the way off at this point. So. I don't know what to think about him anymore. I never really liked him as a coach, but who knows?
0: Yeah, I'm glad we didn't end up hiring him. <laughs> yeah. That... I really am <laughs> glad that we did it. Uh, he's just, I mean, he, listen, he left Florida State in a mess and they haven't recovered since he left. And AM, like, you you got to think that with the amount of money that they poured in on buying classes and the recruiting class that he just had, you have to win. Like,
1: You have you. to. Have You've to. been
0: eight and four. The only like really good season you had was the COVID year, which for me, most of that like doesn't matter because like you didn't have a spring practice. Defenses were historically bad because of a lot of those reasons and because of restrictions. There were yeah. tons of players that missed games because of COVID and all. Like There are so many circumstances that led to a lot of stuff that happened that year. That year doesn't count. You've been eight and four every year. And the media seems to love to hype them up every single year. And they just like even before he got there when Kevin Sullivan was there, whenever they had Johnny Manziel, even after Johnny, they always hyped up AM for whatever reason. Maybe it's the money that they're giving the Disney execs that say, Hey, push this. I don't know. But like, it doesn't make any sense to me. They have been the same team, same program for years. And now just because they got a number one recruiting class and they have tons of money, and Jimbo thinks it's all that because they beat Bama this year, they think they're something they're going to win a championship. You know, surprise they're not going to. There ain't it, right? I
1: can't wait for another eight and four year out of them.
0: <laughs> Listen, okay. Does he get fired if he goes eight and four this year?
1: I don't know if it happened. Eight and four, maybe. It wouldn't surprise me. But I think the thing is, they've, the college has put so much money into him and into the recruiting class that
0: you almost can't fire him at this yeah. point. I mean, 100 mil guarantee. Thank you, Scott Woodward. Yeah. Right? Yikes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so so next big thing that's been happening, especially more recently, conference realignment. It seems like something new comes up every day. Um, the big news that's actually confirmed right now: USC, UCLA going to the Big Ten. Ooh. <laughs> out of nowhere, too. It was. We didn't hear anything about nowhere. it. <laughs> I mean, it was the same thing last year with Oklahoma and Texas, right? Yeah. Just came out of nowhere. That makes more sense to me than UCLA and USC joining the Big Ten, right? Like, if we're thinking geographically, it makes no sense whatsoever. Um, it would make more sense for for the Big 12 to try and, and get them in, but they go to the Big Ten? What are yeah. your thoughts on that?
1: Um, shocked, of course.
0: <laughs> like, it comes out of nowhere, but at this point,
1: everything's all about the money, so I'm when anything happens right now, I'm kind of taking it with a grain of salt. It makes no sense for... Well, okay, so I'll say this. I heard, heard something the other day that was saying that Rutgers is just as far or is closer to USC than it is to Iceland. Or is, is closer to Iceland than it is to USC. <laughs> so Rutgers could travel to Iceland before they could get to USC. How how does that make sense to have these teams be playing against each other? I don't know. Yeah, I
0: mean, I mean it just kind of comes to the NFL model, right? Yeah. I mean, you got AFC, NFC, but like... One of the things that we love about college football is that it's regional. You have regional conferences that play, and then those conferences somewhat come together for a playoff or a national championship somehow, you know? Like, that's what people love. Now, it makes sense in the terms of the Pac-12 have has been falling behind in every single category when it comes to money, when it comes to TV, when it comes to their network, when it comes to their style of play, competitiveness. Like, it has been falling off a cliff. Since USC got hit with those NCAA violations from Reggie Bush, and they just have, don't seem to recover. Their commissioner se- seems, when it comes to football, at least, the worst commissioner in in the sport. And you know, part of that is, you know, I'm pretty sure I saw that USC and UCLA got more money when it came to the revenue than all the other schools. So they ran the conference, and they're still leaving. Um, it's just crazy when it comes to the Big Big Ten taking them. Uh, taking them and it makes total sense for them to add big schools and to add new markets in LA. Uh, so that makes complete sense. I guess I'm a little surprised about UCLA being included in that instead of maybe like an Oregon, um, because, excuse me, just because when it comes to competitive side, when it comes to football, at least UCLA is just another team, right? Basketball, you know, they're a player baseball, they're a player, but like basketball is the only other revenue generator, uh, but a lot of this is centered around football, right? It's not centered around basketball. It's not centered around all these other sports. Um, so it's real interesting that they're they're chosen. And it might be a thing to where they, like, USC said, hey, they have to come with us. That, that could have been a thing. Um, yeah. I know on top of those two teams joining – there has been talks or there was rumors um, about Oregon and Washington also joining them to go to the Big Ten. Um, there's been talks of the Pac-12 maybe merging with the Big 12 or maybe doing some sort of partnership with the ACC. Those have both been talked about. Um, there was a tweet today from some random guy that uh, has a swimming uh, uh, website or column that he does that says he has sources that <laughs> North Carolina, Virginia, Clemson, and Florida State are in talks to go to the SEC with ESPN. That doesn't really sound like it because none of the big guys are actually confirming that or saying that that's, there's any truth there, but that set Twitter on fire. Um, there's lots of talk there. Uh, big 12 is, is trying to you know stay relevant. Um, what do you think with with how we're sitting right now, what do you think are the next, I guess, teams to possibly move? What would you like to see happen? And where do you think we're really going at the end of this?
1: I think the light at the end of the tunnel is of this is the super conferences, right? Like you're gonna have the SEC is probably gonna get up to 20 teams, Big Ten is probably gonna get up to 20 teams, and then we're just gonna go from there. Which kind of sucks because we're gonna lose some of this of the nostalgia of college football. But at the same time, like it's to me, it's probably gonna make everything a lot better because you're gonna be having better games week to week. Um, if I'm the SEC right now, my first call is Notre Dame. Probably not happening because Notre Dame's their own their own thing. They have their own TV deals. I don't think you get them. Even if they do decide to hop in a conference, I think it would be the Big Ten because of more of their academic stuff. To me, after that. This might surprise you. I go for North Carolina almost okay. immediately because I think North Carolina to me is a bigger brand than Clemson. Now Clemson obviously is a better football football program, but that's right now. If you look over the history, almost is North Carolina probably his, historically has probably been a better football program other than these last 10 years or whatever it is. So you're adding North Carolina, you're getting everything with basketball, and then you're getting the Jordan brand too on top of it. So you're getting a lot of money from that and that's where I would go. What about you?
0: Yeah, I mean, North Carolina makes a lot of sense. I mean, they are a big brand. I'm not just talking college football, college sports. They're one of the biggest brands in America. That makes total sense. And when, when you think about conference realignment, a lot of that is based off of TV money and making your revenue as big as possible so you can get more money. So, like, Clemson, like, you already have, when it comes to the SEC, you already have South Carolina. You're already in the South Carolina market. Yeah. But you don't have something for Raleigh and for Charlotte, which are giant markets, and North Carolina is booming. That makes a lot of sense, North Carolina. The other team that I would think you need to look at is Miami. Um, you do have Florida that's in Florida, but that's kind of more on the northern half of Florida, right? You're not particularly in the Miami market, so that kind of makes sense. The problem with that is Florida is going to want to vote against it. They're probably not going to want it want to be in that. But of course, I don't know the whole politics when it comes to that stuff. Cause you could probably even say the same with South Carolina when it comes yeah, to Clemson. Right. For but sure. definitely North Carolina makes sense. A lot of people have been talking about Virginia. Would you rather Virginia or Virginia Tech?
1: Oof. Can I have a if you either? had to
0: pick one? <laughs> if you had to pick one, which one would you pick? When it comes to football, oh, you would man. maybe lean towards Virginia Tech, but they haven't been the same recently. When yeah, you're I was saying. Say. Overall, college sports, maybe you lean more Virginia because they've been better at basketball and have been somewhat competitive in baseball.
1: I think if you're going total, I do have to lean towards Virginia. But well, football, I would almost lean towards Virginia Tech because that atmosphere on a on a game day, insane. Right. And I feel yeah. like they can turn that around pretty easily if they get the right coach in there.
0: Yeah. So we have those um, Big Ten. So when it comes to Notre Dame. I'm, I've heard this talked about. I don't know if this is actually the case or not, but it has been said that they have a deal or a contract with the ACC because they're in the ACC for for baseball and for basketball. That if they were to join a conference for football, it has to be the ACC.
1: Really? I don't
0: I don't know if that's the actual case or if that's just assumption from people, but that has been mentioned. Um, so if they were to join a conference, I'm sure there's probably a way for them to get out of that contract if they really wanted to and go to the big 10. It, it makes it, like you said, it makes sense for them to go big 10. Um, but that's really the next huge domino to fall. Like you mentioned, um, the, the big 12 and the Pac 12 are like, they have to merge, right? Like, Oh yeah. No they're almost business. skin and bones right been, now. Yeah. I mean, there's already been, been talks that Arizona and Arizona state has already reached out to the big 12 at that point. Um, if you're the Big 12, you've got to go hard for Washington and Oregon and try and sway them over to you instead of going to the Big 10. You've got to get some of these big brands. But, you know, like, like you said, with kind of these mega conferences that are starting, you know, it's maybe out of, you know, tough luck for Utah and maybe Colorado unless they get brought back into the Big 12. I mean, Washington State, uh, Stanford. It, I mean the Big Ten has already come out saying they are not taking Stanford which is a little surprising academic wise but when it sports wise it makes and probably makes a lot more sense yeah. um so some of these schools might get left out but like you said it, it's it's gonna be I think probably a better product um if I were commissioner of the SEC and I got to choose what I wanted to do two teams that are schools that I would automatically kick out see you later you're gone Vanderbilt, one you're gone get out of here go be group of five <laughs> and and i'd kick missouri out and say hey go join the big ten or get a heartbeat, and the heartbeat. That's, that's what i do uh, vanderbilt administration doesn't care about sports they don't want to invest and you've seen that the only thing they've been good at is baseball and that could be kind of going downhill with with corbin uh possibly retiring at some point soon mm-hmm. um Missouri hasn't been really relevant since they joined. I mean, they got back-to-back East titles the first two years, and then since then, they haven't been the same. It will never be competitive. Um, we were hoping that they'd be good in basketball. That hasn't been the case at all. Uh, their baseball program is trash. I mean, they just, like, there's been no... The only, like, benefit with them being in the SEC is you get the Missouri market, the St. Louis market. You get that. Yeah. But... Man, like, let's go get Miami and replace that. Let's go get North Carolina. Let's go get Virginia, Virginia Tech. Let's go, um, maybe pluck another Texas school. You know, let, let's let's get some of these bigger brands and like these smaller schools. Like, Vanderbilt doesn't give a crap. They're just there for the handout of the month. That's all oh, they're yeah. there for. Exactly. And they're not going to invest that in this. Right? They're
1: just in there <laughs> saying, Hey, hey, we're in the SEC over here.
0: Yeah, we're, <laughs> we're here too, right? Like, yeah. they're never going to be competitive. And yeah. the best that they're ever going to do is eight and five, like when James Franklin is there. And that is the best that they're ever going to do. And they're fine with that. And yeah. they have a high school stadium. They, like, they just don't care. So I don't want them in the league. Get them out.
1: Can, can they even do that, though? Just absolutely kick them out? <laughs> I'm, I'm sure, sure they, they can, can. If they really but...
0: <laughs> wanted to. I mean, you, you could. Because, I mean, like you said, we're going to these super conferences. Yeah. There's been like a lot of talk with this happening oh, this is going to ruin college sports. Oh, this is the end of the world. Oh, I'm like, you know, I'm not going to watch all this kind of doom and gloom that I'm sure you've probably seen and heard. Honestly, like conference realignment, I don't care. I don't either. Thanks to conference realignment, we're getting the Texas, Texas A&M series back. Yep. Like everybody was upset. At least everybody was upset whenever A&M left the Big 12 to come to the SEC. Oh, we're going to lose that thing. Hey, we're bringing it back. You're welcome, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, you know, everybody's talking about who wants to watch USC play Iowa in November? Who wants to see UCLA play Rutgers or Illinois? It's like, so are you saying you don't want to see USC play Michigan or yep. Ohio State every year or Wisconsin or Penn State? Yep. Like, those are great games. Like, you, if that was an out-of-conference game, you would kill and say, hey, I have to watch that game. Yeah,
1: Everybody and that's what it that. is. It's going to be, we're going to get a, a, a way better pro, uh, product, but like I said, like the nostalgia is going to be gone. You're not necessarily going to be as excited for the Alabama Ole Miss game when you have Alabama Texas coming up the next week. You well, know that's I mean? how so, it's
0: always been, though, right? Yeah. Like, they like, so the, everybody's still going to be hyped for Alabama Ole Miss because of the storyline of Lane Kiffin, right? Yeah, everybody's sure. going to be excited, like, maybe if, nobody's going to be excited for Kentucky Arkansas, but whoever yeah, was. Yeah. Whoever was super excited to watch Illinois and Iowa, nobody was. Everybody has always cared about the big time programs and the conferences playing each other. Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan State, Michigan, Michigan State, uh, Penn State, uh, LSU, Alabama, LSU, Auburn, Bama and Georgia, Florida and Tennessee. Like those are the games that everybody has cared about. Hey, we're just adding more. We're just adding Oklahoma and Texas, you know, two of the biggest brands in the sport for the past 20 years into the SEC. Oh, yeah. Oh, so that means we get to watch Alabama-Texas. That (laughs) means we get to watch Oklahoma (laughs) and Auburn. You know? That that means we get Texas A&M and Texas back. Like, Mm -hmm. that's going to be great. Oh, we get, you know, Ohio State traveling to L.A. and playing USC. Like, that's going to be great. The thing that's, quote-unquote, ruining college football isn't conference realignment. It's this free agency that's created with NIL and the lax transfer rules. That's what really is the problem. You fix that,
1: You're in good shape at that point.
0: We're in good shape, right? The next thing that needs to happen, I think, playoff expansion. But we'll get there. It's going to happen at some point. I know the SEC pissed everybody off last year by adding Oklahoma and Texas, so they said, (laughs) oh, no. And then they had their alliance for, like, not even a year. Yeah. (laughs) They didn't even have it a year, and and instead of keeping the alliance, the Big Ten basically, you know, slaps the Pac-12 in the face and steals (laughs) their two top programs, you know? Like, it's just... I think it's hilarious, Uh, but so that's coming soon and and I'm really excited. But I think that the big thing definitely has to be big 12 Pac 12 have to merge and they got to hope that they can like the the programs really kind of build themselves up. The problem with the big 10 or big 12 and the Pac 12 is you got no name brands, right? I mean, you got good, like good schools. Oklahoma state's a good school. Uh, Arizona is a good school. Arizona State. Arizona too. State. There's some you names. You got TCU. Have. You got Texas Tech, which has had you know a year or two here. But well, like, there's no like top dog player that's in either one of those conferences right now, and it's got to be scary, right? I mean, you bring in aren't they bringing in like Cincinnati and Houston or something? So yeah, you yeah. gotta hope one of those teams or a couple of those teams really emerge as a program to say, Hey, we're going to be the next top thing. But I mean that you're really rolling the dice here and the teams that are staying in those conferences. One, they probably tried to see if they could join one of these other ones or they're just kind of stuck, you know? So real, real. I
1: would love to see them be able to keep Oregon and Washington. I think it would make it so much better, but I, I don't think that ever happens.
0: I think, I think it's, top priority for the Big 12. Yeah, for sure. To keep keep those two.
1: For sure. I don't think it happens, though. Just because Phil Knight and Nike, there's no way they're going to try and miss out on these super conferences. Well, it's the super
0: conferences don't want to miss out on Oregon. Oh, yeah, for sure. The other way around. It's like, hey, the Big Ten wants that Nike money. Yeah. So you got to think that's probably coming down. That's got to be. All right. So we'll go ahead and get ready to close out the show. You know, I'd be remiss if we didn't ask my fellow NBA guy what do you think about how the NBA season (laughs) ended with the playoffs and finals with your Cavs losing to the Warriors? What's going on in free agency? Zion signed today to resign with the Pelicans. What's going on with Kevin Durant leaving again? Uh, You know, Jokic signs the biggest contract ever, I think is what I saw staying with the Nuggets. What's going on? So tell me about You know, finals, what happened there? And then talk to me about free agency. Uh,
1: (laughs) You're trying to make me cry right now. That's where we're going with (laughs)
0: this.
1: (laughs) This year for the Celtics was so taxing, I would say, because first half of the year, they were below 500. Literally, like halfway through the season, they were, I think it was four games under 500. And then they come out from January and on January through June and were the best team in the NBA. And so for them to have that type of turnaround midseason and then lose in the finals, it was rough. I I, I didn't enjoy it very much. I will say <laughs> this. One of my favorite things, I was thinking about this the other day. We did a podcast episode. It was about four years ago. You asked me who my favorite player in the NBA draft was and where the best situation was. And I said, Jordan Poole with the Warriors, going to be a stud.
0: You oh, did, you did. Call that. <laughs> Calling yourself, hey, we wrote it down here. He's bringing it up. He's checking <laughs> list. Hey, I got this one right.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's all we need that. to talk about, this though. One right. Yes. But yeah, no, no, it was, it was rough. But I love the experience that the Celtics got, and I think they got better by training for Malcolm Brogdon too, because they really only gave up. They gave up Daniel Tice, Aaron Nee Smith. he's a young guy. He was a lottery pick. So he had some potential, but he just wasn't playing for the Celtics. So you bring in a guy like Brogdon, he kind of fixes everything that you needed. You needed more depth on your bench. You needed another kind of point guard player who can come in and facilitate the offense and help you run what you're you're trying to get to. He still helps you on defense, too. And so nothing's going to change with that. So I am excited for what's coming next year. And like you were saying, Zion coming back, too. Did you get excited about that
0: one? I was excited.
1: Were you getting Uh, nervous at all is the real question I want to ask you.
0: Honestly, like, he hadn't played. So it's basically as if we just signed a free agent. Like a new, brand new guy is what it feels like. Because, I mean, like, he played in the bubble, but that's really kind of been it.
1: Yeah, Um, for sure. I
0: know, like, during, like, the season, the playoffs, like, there is always, like, doom and gloom. Like, he's trying to get out this type thing. Then they traded for McCollum, which is big. And then yeah. BI just kind of went off in the playoffs. We still lost in the first round, but like it was exciting. We won games, like there's excitement in New Orleans for it. And so Zion signing. Um, he has the opportunity to be. I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to say that I'm comparing him to this because you know it's a wait and see, but like he has the opportunity to because he wants to be known as a winner, he has the opportunity to bring a small market team to new heights, to new levels, to maybe a championship run or multiple championships, like a Tim Duncan did for San Antonio, like Steph has done at Golden State, you know, like uh, Devin Booker has been doing in Phoenix. I'm not saying that he is those players, but he has the opportunity to have a footprint like those players if he can stay healthy, which is the main thing, and make for sure. forms. Because, I mean, the Pelicans played really well. They are missing a couple of pieces. One of those pieces is Zion. So you add oh, yeah, him to that sure. mix with all the rookies that played well, with Herb Jones, who stud. I only <laughs> like him now. I hated him before because he was <laughs> at that horrible school. Uh, but love him now. Uh and 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 Trey Murphy played well. And then Alvarado, the guy from Georgia Tech, like out of freaking nowhere, does all this crazy crap with steals and defensive play and, and getting hype. So the future is bright in New Orleans, which is really the first time you can say it in a long time. Even when you had Anthony Davis, you knew what you had. You weren't going anywhere because the front office didn't know what they were doing. They always traded away their picks. We always got older players that seemed to be hurt, a.k.a. Eric Gordon. See you later. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so uh, future is definitely bright. So I'm super excited, especially with on signing today.
1: And they're going to have the ability to play a lot of different lineups because you can plug Zion in at the five and run a Brandon Ingram, Herb Jones. CJ McCollum lineup, and that's just that's a big lineup, but also small. So you're playing running yeah. gun, you're getting up and down the floor, and then you come back and you can put Valanciunas back in and run through the post and do whatever you want to.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Uh, it, it, it's looking nice down there for sure. I think the only problem been, is the West is deep this year.
0: The West is deep. There have been small, uber uber tiny conversations or thought that maybe KD will come <laughs> to New Orleans. Don't think it's happening. <laughs> Where, where is kd gonna go man is he going to phoenix is he going back to golden state why can't he just like stay where he's at why is he got hot teams all the time
1: i think the thing is he's not gonna go anywhere really <laughs> i think he wants to leave for sure and i but i don't think they're gonna be able to trade him just straight up honest with you you just saw rudy gobert get traded for four unprotected first round picks if that kd go he went to minnesota so they got four. Yeah, <laughs> it was like a couple of oh, days ago.
0: You have cat. Why do you need Rudy? Gobert? I don't
1: know. But he, they traded. They got four first round picks for him completely unprotected. So if that's what Rudy Gobert's going for, what is Kevin Durant about to go for? At this point, I don't think anybody's going to be able to trade him because I know Brooklyn is trying to get Devin Booker off of Phoenix. That's not happening. I've heard they're trying to get Zion, of, Zion off of the Pelicans. That's not happening. So they're. They're shooting for the stars and the stars aren't aligning for them. So but yeah, I would I mean, like, say,
0: yeah, I mean, with Kevin Durant, the talk about him and Phoenix is he wants to play with Booker and CP3, right? Exactly. So like the amount of stuff that you have to give up to get KD, man, like there's no way that they'd be able to do it and, and stay a contender, right? Like yeah. maybe they could because I mean, it is KD. But he's also probably kind of on his decline now, like a lot of these older players like LeBron is doing. Like he's just getting older. That's just fact, you know, because he's what, 35
1: now, 34, 35. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Father Time's
0: undefeated, right? Yeah, for sure. And like. It's it's just one of those weird. it's like it's one of those weird things like with Ben Simmons, man, didn't want to play there anymore. (laughs) So he pouted and got his way out and like nobody cares about him anymore.
1: And that's it, too. And the only other team for KD is Miami that he's wanting to go to, and they can't even trade for him because Brooklyn's going to want Bam out of bio back, but they can't facilitate that deal because of the contract that he's on with the contract that Ben Simmons. There's a rule in the NBA that you can't have two players that signed a five-year rookie max extension in the same year, and they both did. So you you can't even do that deal in the first place unless Ben Simmons is in the deal going back to Miami. Yeah, but, I don't know. I, that's, yeah, why, that's why. That's why I don't best. think he goes anywhere.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it makes sense for sure. Because I mean, like you said, I mean, four unprotected first round picks for freaking Rudy Gobert, I and mean, we're talking about one of the best players on the freaking planet. Yeah, you know? exactly. And poor guy just can't be content with where he's at. Do you think Kyrie <laughs> gets shipped out, or do you think he stays? That's another one that I, I feel don't. like with. Everything that went on with him last year, all the negative publicity because he didn't want to get vaccinated, which good for him, like he stood up to, it, you know, stuff like the morals, like go for it. Great for you. With a lot of that, there's a lot of negative press. He's a great player, but, you know, maybe because of that and the PR nightmare that could come up, maybe he's not as valuable and doesn't uh, ask for a lot when it comes to trading
1: and he's been causing problems everywhere he's gone now he started off with the Cavs. he's sitting there saying i want to get away from lebron goes to the celtics tanks the celtics and then now he's with brooklyn and now he's doing the exact same thing like it's just a nightmare with him he's an awesome player but it's just like sometimes it almost feels like he doesn't even want to play basketball he's just doing it for the money
0: does he go to la to hook up with lebron again
1: because i I know
0: lebron said that he wants to see him back (laughs) I, I think, don't think if he
1: goes anywhere, it's going to be L.A. for sure. But I don't think Brooklyn is going to do that. I think they're just going to stand pat because they they don't want Russell Westbrook. And I can't blame them. Nobody, wants, nobody wants him. <laughs> and I don't think L.A. is going to want to give up their future first round pick for that either. Because by that point in 2027, LeBron's not even going to be on the team anymore. And who knows what's going to happen with Anthony Davis by then. So that first round pick is probably extremely valuable at this point. There's, there's no way you're going to end up trading that for Kyrie.
0: Yeah. So nothing happens in Brooklyn. It stays the same.
1: I don't think so. I, I could see a scenario where you get closer to the season, like right around training camp, and both of them are straight no shows. And at that point you kind of are you're pressing and then you just make a deal just to get rid of both of them because you need people in the building. So and the thing, the thing about it too is Brooklyn's gonna want to try and stay competitive because they owe their future to Houston because they just traded for James Harden two years ago, and they gave up three or four picks for that as well. So they have to try and stay competitive because they don't have any first-round picks coming up. So, yeah. Okay, so,
0: yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, okay, so hypothetical, uh, we think that they're going to stay as they currently are, right, with their big pieces. Do they somehow become a contender next year?
1: Because everybody
0: (laughs) has been talking about, hey, super team, right? You have Kyrie, you have KD, you have James Harden, you know? Ben Simmons, if he can show up and maybe learn how to shoot a ball, like can they be contender or are they just going to stay in the shadows of, uh, the Celtics, you know, the Sixers that have been trying to come up and, and all these other Miami and these teams in the East, you know, the East isn't as good as the West and as deep. I mean, you still got your good team. So, you know, do they make a, can they make a run realistically to the, to the conference, uh, finals and maybe two of finals or do you think they're just kind of hand struck with you know they just have a team together that just doesn't have any chemistry?
1: Yeah I think if if Katie and Kyrie are both bought in and actually so actually playing for sure they can definitely make a run but that's the thing I don't necessarily see that happening because I don't if Katie's already asking out and Kyrie's already asking out, I don't see them trying to stick around and actually win for the franchise, especially with some of the stuff that the owners come out and talked about. At this point, I would bet against it. But if they are playing, they're scary, especially with Ben Simmons there too. Hopefully his head's right at that
0: point. Good luck with that, man. (laughs) I know all LSU fans have abandoned him. We do not not claim him at all, at all. All right, so that's the NBA talk we got. And so now we're going to finish off the show with some over-under talks and maybe some true or false statements. So not sure if you have anything, but I got a couple for you. So uh, true or false, Jimbo wins an SEC title before he leaves a
1: False. False. All I right. want to scream that as loud as I can right now.
0: <laughs> okay, go ahead and explain why it's false. I agree with you, but I want to hear your reasoning.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's going to be really hard for him. Alabama is going to be really good this year, which is, I think that's where he's going to kind of stumble. And then after that, Bama's still going to be there next year. LSU, I expect LSU next year to be a powerhouse again. And then you still have Georgia on the other side. At this point, it's not looking great. And then by 2024, you're adding Oklahoma, you're adding Texas. So I think this year is going to have to be the year because I don't think it will definitely, ha- it would definitely won't happen next year. I don't see yeah. it happening this year either.
0: Yeah, I mean, the only chance they got is to keep stacking these recruiting classes. Up. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's the only chance. But at the same time, man, like it's Jimbo. He's been eight four. He hasn't gone through uh, the wall yet. And like you said, I mean, there's tons of competition, even more competition coming in. Texas is yeah. the next one. True false. Texas will be in the playoff and within two years from now.
1: I'm going to say false. I'm still going with false. I'm not quite there on Texas yet. I want to see Sark get a couple more recruiting classes under his belt,
0: but I'm still going to go with false. I think it's close, man. Uh, I think it is. I don't, close think, I don't think it'll be this year. Uh, yeah. I think they have a chance next year because they're not coming into the sec as of right now until 2025. Oh, okay. Uh, so yeah. maybe in 2024, maybe they can break through or tw- yeah. maybe 2023. I mean, the 2023 would be within the two year mark. So that would be the chance I think for them maybe to hit playoff. Um, I'm I'm gonna say it's true. I think I think they get to the playoff in 2023. Personally,
1: I think the problem with that is at that point you're gonna have USC coming up, LSU coming back. You know, like you still have all the SEC teams, and then then
0: you have that, but at the no. same time they're still in the Big Twelve, single so yeah. competition <laughs> is Oklahoma, right? Maybe they can get listen. If they can get back Kansas, get by Kansas, then hey, maybe they have a shot. They have to get by Kansas though <laughs> first. <place>. Uh, <laughs>
1: I'm sure that'll be real hard with (laughs) our (laughs) training.
0: Okay, uh, over under Nick Saban retires. I have the number set at three and a half.
1: You really are trying to make me cry this episode, aren't you? (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to go with over.
0: Okay, so you think he's going to last at least right at four. I think four is the number. Oh, sure. it's, it's super hard. Like, why are you hard, doing man? this to me? Listen, what else <laughs> am I gonna ask, right? What else am I gonna ask? Uh, because all of us that aren't BAM fans are counting down the days till <laughs> it happens, right? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, man, it, that's a hard one. Because if you would have asked me after the COVID year, I would have said, "Hey, he's probably retiring been like two I was gonna years,
1: say, right? yeah, after COVID year, I would have gone under hard. But then under.
0: you look at him this past year, and he looks like he, like instead of aging. Through yeah. the off season, it looks like he somehow got younger. And How I does think that
1: happen? I think this year really pissed him off too, and he because he seems so motivated again. Not that not that he wasn't motivated. It's just like he's he's got a different fire to him again. Yeah, so. I think
0: part like that is like the only other counter I would say to that is okay with this whole nil thing. Is he really gonna want to deal with that
1: for yeah, three
0: true. or four years? Right, that's the only other uh thing that might throw a cog in that is you know things like he he has always adapted you know he's always been good at that but at what point is it hey I'm just throwing the towel I think I'm done I am the best coach ever and nobody can uh say otherwise you know what else do you have left to accomplish type thing
1: and I would almost go the other way with that too and looking at it I could see him looking at it as it's just another challenge right like because you had a couple years ago when they were changing all the offense rules and the air raid was going around and he was getting all pissed off about that he adapted and then our offense is what it is now. <laughs> so yeah. like that that's kind of how I see it is that that's why I think I would go over the three and a half because it's just another challenge for him to try and take on. So
0: Okay, gotcha. Uh this next one has to do with a team that I didn't even mention or talk about when it came to the coaching changes stuff. So so let's let's touch on it real quick before we get to the overrunner. Auburn. What the heck is going on <laughs> in Auburn? They're trying to do a coup to get rid of their coach. One, which I thought was an idiotic hire to begin with, hiring some random guy from Boise State to be your coach. Yeah. What the heck happened there?
1: That's what happens when you let your boosters run your program.
0: <laughs> like, I mean, for like, he doesn't fit at all, man. Like, <laughs> no, I could have doesn't. told you he didn't fit at all. And they lost five straight games last year. Yeah. Five straight games. Yeah. I mean, you, you start off good. Yes. Yes. Some. So I went to the LSU Auburn game in Baton Rouge. I was at the game with my sister and they hadn't won in Baton Rouge since 99. And we somehow made Bo Nix freaking look like Johnny Manziel back there. <laughs> not able to sack him. Like, five times oh, i was so mad but like you go into baton rouge you win the first time since 99 and then you finish the season should have beaten bama but then you choke away when let bama drive you know 99 down yards down the field and
1: it's yeah. over
0: right like what yeah. the heck happened
1: Palmer's doing him dirty in the first place anyways with all the stuff that they that has come out about him i don't think that's just being leaked just to be leaked i think it's, a lot of this stuff is coming out on purpose because they're ready to get rid of him It it seems like he doesn't want to conform to what the boosters want from him, and they're getting pissed off about it.
0: Okay, so with all that said, Auburn over under seven and a half wins this season.
1: I'd have to go under.
0: It's a tough schedule. They have Penn State coming in at home. Let me pull up the schedule a little bit. Obviously, you got the the big games, Penn State, LSU, uh, Alabama, Georgia. So those are four. Pull up the rest of them real quick.
1: Yeah, to me, that's four losses right off the bat, and then you got to add in Ole Miss at that point too.
0: Yep. So you got uh, you go Mercer win, San Jose State win, uh, then you got Penn State, which is, I mean, it is at home. Auburn yeah. is usually good at home, but who knows?
1: And it'll probably is- be a night game too. Auburn. No. Right now, I think
0: they actually, I think, I think uh, they have the time set, so it's two thirty.
1: Oh really? Oh uh, wow. Yeah.
0: Um. So. Um, it'll be hot as a mess. As I yeah. It's a 28, 30 <laughs> games in Auburn. Um, but they don't have a quarterback, right? So that's, yeah. that's the thing. Um, the only player that they have that anybody knows is Tank Figsby. So I mean, take that with, with however you want to take it. So you got Penn State, then you got Missouri at home, you have LSU at home. LSU has done better on the road in that series than Auburn has. They won like the last couple of times, I think. In, oh, they, they got destroyed in the COVID year at Auburn the last time they were there. They've had more success there than Auburn has at uh, LSU. Then after the LSU game, they go on the road to Georgia, go on the road to Ole Miss, and then they play Arkansas at home. I mean, you go LSU at Georgia at Ole Miss, Arkansas, that's a tough four-game stretch.
1: Uh, Um, I mean, if they come out of that with one win, (laughs) at that point, you got to be almost excited about that.
0: Yeah, and then after that, you go on the road to State. Uh, which state is never a pushover. No. Um, then you get AM at home. Then you finally get a break and play Western Kentucky. And then you go to Tuscaloosa and play Bama. That's yeah. hard. I mean, it's hard to pick out six wins there. I mean, you can yeah. probably pick out one, two, three, four, five, maybe. You can maybe pick five games out of that that you would say for sure they wouldn't. I mean, it's all three of the out-of-conference games. Missouri. And maybe Mississippi State. You yeah. can maybe flip Mississippi State and Arkansas because they're you're, they're playing Arkansas at home and they the Mississippi State. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, that's that's tough to do. So they definitely have a hard schedule. I'm gonna go with you and say under. Firing if they go, under. If They go under. <laughs> are they are they firing him? Is he done? Yes,
1: yes. Yeah. If if he if he only gets six wins, I think he's done.
0: Yeah, I, I think I'm there with you too. And that makes it interesting Think who do you get? Oof. Who do you get? I don't even know at that be, point. Yeah, I mean, that's a good They could take Bill O'Brien
1: if they want him.
0: <laughs> every every Bama fan is hoping that Bill O'Brien got a job, and he didn't. I <laughs> everybody sure, was super disappointed in that. <laughs> you got anything for me on these?
1: I don't. Any other? No? I'm sorry, okay, great. I did not prepare okay, for that. All
0: good. Didn't prepare. It's all good, man. Well, hey, Mason, it's been great having you back. We'll for sure. We'll do another for one. Sure. We'll probably keep doing this, me and you. Uh, maybe get Harrison in at some point. We'll see. But, hey, great to have you back. It was great talking with you. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll catch you guys next time. Appreciate
1: it. For sure. Appreciate it, brother.